Um, so my name is Danny. If we haven't met before, um, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Pastor Roger mentioned the announcement about college ministry. If you're a new student and we haven't met yet, um, I oversee our college ministry as well as our worship ministry here at Cornerstone. And it's really glad to, I'm glad to be up here and have the opportunity to preach God's Word. It's been a while. The last time I did it, it was over there in that corner, and none of you were in this room. Um, it was just in January when the Omicron wave hit and we, we shut down. And doesn't that feel like it was like three years ago? Uh, but it was only a couple months ago. Life is a little crazy. Um, but I'm really glad that we can be here together um, and that I'll have the opportunity to share God's Word in this Lent series that we're going through, the I Am Statements. And so... Um, if I could, I would love to just pray one additional time uh, really quickly uh, as we begin. Well, God of truth, we thank you for your holy word, for their precepts, promises, directions, and light. And in them, may we learn more of Christ Jesus, be enabled to retain his truth, and would you grant us the grace to follow it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So in February of last year, there was a big story in the news that went viral about someone named Barack. And I think you probably only know one Barack, but it's not him. It's not who you're thinking. It's not President, former President Barack Obama. It's, it's this Barack over here. So if you're wondering why his name is Barack, it's because the Australian government is made up of a bunch of dudes who like dad jokes. It's spelled with two A's. Get it? Barack, Barack. So, dad jokes, Australian government. So, Barack the sheep, he was lost for a number of years and was found. And when he was rescued, the rescuers ended up shearing off 78 pounds worth of wool off of him. And think about how much 78 pounds. Imagine walking around with 78 pounds on you for years. It's like an average American 11 or 12-year-old. Imagine if they were, like, hugging you all of your life. That's how much wool came off of him. They say that he produced 490 pairs of socks. And so those of you who TikTok, which is probably the, the youngins in the room, uh, you might already know who he is because the TikTok of him, I don't know who, if someone created an account or something, had over 20 million views, and he was really popular. And I don't know why, like, why do people care about sheep? But it was popular, so I did a little extra reading on it. Turns out when sheep wander like Barack did for a number of years, it the reason why he was a big story is because that almost means like certain death. That if they wander off, if they get lost, and if, especially when they're at that condition, they're almost sure to die. And so he, his story was a big deal because he survived it. And so whether it be from predators obviously being eaten or simply from things like not being sheared regularly or annually. So it turns out when sheep aren't sheared, it actually like wrecks their health. It leads to malnourishment because they're so heavy they can't actually bend over to eat properly. Uh, it leads to blindness, parasites, and skin infections. A sheep not being in, under the care of their shepherd is eventually going to lead to a really ugly death. It leads to sicknesses. They don't actually survive well in the wild on their own without care. Sheep need a shepherd to be healthy and to live a good life. You, you know how, like, um, if, if you ever go to the zoo... Uh, you, you show up and you're at an exhibit and there's like a tiger in like a cage or like behind glass and you kind of feel bad for them. Like, oh, animals shouldn't be in this small enclosed place. They should be out in the wild, free on their own, living based upon their own instincts. So that might be true for a tiger, but for sheep, it's 
not true at all. We should feel bad for sheep when they're out in the wild. They, it's the opposite. The best life, turns out, the sheep can have is under the boundaries of a shepherd and under the care of a human being, under a shepherd. And so the more that I read about shepherding and sheep because of this TikTok fat sheep guy, uh, the more I understood why God chose shepherding to be such a close analogy with our faith. It made so much more sense why God in Scripture oftentimes calls himself the shepherd and why you and I, his people, the church, why we're so often referred to as God's sheep. It's simple. It's because we don't survive well in the wild on our own, without care, without boundaries, without someone looking out for us. We, just like real sheep do, need a shepherd in order to be healthy, in order to live a good, healthy, full, and abundant life. So today's I Am statement and today's message is going to be simply all about that, about being under the care of God, our shepherd, Jesus, and how when we're under his care is exactly the place, and maybe I'm going to argue the only place where we actually can live a fulfilling and abundant and good life. And so let's turn to God's holy word together as I read from John chapter 10. So John chapter 10, verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this week's I am statement. I am the door of the sheep. What on earth does that mean? And why does it actually matter to any of us? So here Jesus is drawing on imagery that would have been very familiar with his original audience, right? I don't know anything about shepherding. I don't know if any of y'all come from like shepherding families or whether you do either. I had to look it up and read. But his original listeners, they were very familiar with the world of shepherding. They would have very often seen shepherds around in their community herding their flocks. And one thing that was obvious and known, common fact to everybody, was that shepherds, at least in the ancient Near East, had a very close and tight relationship with their sheep. It wasn't like distant, almost like, I, I mean, I want to say it was almost like a dog is to us in America today. So in verse 3 and 4, we read about that intimacy. We read, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. So when he says they know his voice, the sheep follow him, this isn't a metaphor that Jesus is using here. So apparently, uh, not only ancient Near Eastern shepherds, but apparently it still happens today. I, I guess if we were to go to Jerusalem or Israel today, we would see it. Um, but shepherds 
used only their voice literally to, to herd their sheep. So I always pictured the image of a big, like, you know, what is it, a staff and like a shepherd from behind kind of prodding the sheep and poking them or sheepdogs, you know, like in America, running around and doing all the work. But apparently in, in the Near East, that, that's not the case. They don't walk from behind. They don't use a staff to hit them. They don't use dogs. They walk out in front of them and they just talk and they call them and all the sheep follow from behind. And apparently that still happens to this day. It's that tight of a relationship while the sheep know whose voice is speaking to them. And if it's the shepherd that they know and trust and who's cared for them all their lives, they follow them. They don't need actual physical prodding. They know the voice of their shepherd so well. So it was common for sheep pens to be in the middle of fields made up of short like stone walls. And uh, the the shepherd would lead the sheep in there to be enclosed overnight for their safety, safety from predators and safety from what, like Barak did, wandering out and being lost. So what happened is the shepherd would use his voice, lead them inside the pen for the night, and here's where the image of Jesus, the door of the sheep, comes in. Shepherds would lie uh, for the night at the entrance of the sheep pen so no intruder or predator would come in, and so none of the, shep- the sheep would actually accidentally wander out. Here's a kind of grainy image, but in the bottom you'll see the shepherd lying at the door. He is very literally the door of the sheep. So Jesus uses this really beautiful imagery with great intentionality. He's describing his relationship that he has with you and me, with his people. A clear picture of intimacy and of love from a shepherd who cares for his sheep so much so that he's uncomfortable and puts his own interests behind or or under the sheep, their interests above his own. Jesus is the door. He's the one who opens, and he leads his sheep out into a good life, into pasture and healthy living with his voice, with his words. Jesus is the door that closes at night in the pen, He's a source of their safety and security, protecting them from any predators, from any enemies, from themselves, from their own foolishness of wandering out and being lost. And the last verse of our passage makes it as simple as can be in how we can understand this passage, what it means that Jesus is the door of the sheep. We read it again, verse 10 says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So that's my point for today's message. Jesus is our source, the only one of an abundant life. He leads us out of the pen into the goodness of the pasture that he provides for all of us. And then he leads us back inside where because of him and only because of him, we find security, safety. He provides for us abundance. So this word for abundantly is translated really well. What I just read for us is the ESV. I don't know about all of you, but I like, I like both reading the ESV and the NIV, and it kind of depends. Um, but in this case, I really like the ESV because of this translation of the word abundantly, because what the word is meant to convey is excess. One commentator says this, the lives of his sheep will be extravagantly, expensively, expansively full. This abundance of life comes from Jesus alone. That's why I love abundantly. The NIV, I'm pretty sure, says fully, which makes sense too. But I don't think it conveys as much excess as the ESV does in Jesus Christ being the door, the abundant life. Another commentator says, only one source of eternal life, only one source of knowledge of God, only one fount of spiritual nourishment, only one basis for spiritual security 
Jesus alone, the door of the sheep. So my question for us today is, are you living in that excess of life? Is your life abundantly, expansively full? Because if we believe this is the word of God and that it matters to you and me, if you believe that you are a recipient of the blessings of God, if you are in Christ and you are, are you feeling that? Is your life expansively, expensively, you know, abundantly full? And if it's not, if your answer is no, I don't think so, why not? Because it's available to you. What's getting in the way? Or maybe what other voices are you following instead of the shepherd, the door of the sheep? Back in 2014, I can't believe that was a long time ago now, I was invited by a friend, actually a Cornerstone friend in this room, to go watch a movie I hadn't really heard about before. It was like a smart, uh, smart, small studio film um, called Ex Machina. And I've talked to, this, talked to many of you about this movie because it was one of those movies where after it was over, I felt like I couldn't move. I was like, paralyzed. I just sat there staring at the credits. And it wasn't because there was going to be a post-credit scene in the Marvel movies. I just couldn't move. I was like, this movie, like, it messed me up. And I don't know how many of you have seen it. But if you haven't, the plot is really simple. There's a genius tech company CEO who's created what is the world's most advanced AI, artificial intelligence and robotics. And so he invites a programmer who wins a contest, who gets to experience and test the AI, who is a robot named Ava. And his task is to see if she can pass what's called the Turing test. Now, the Turing test tests whether an AI can be indistinguishable from a human. So here's an illustration of a common Turing test. It makes it really easy to understand. This is the Turing test. So there's an evaluator who's the main character in the movie. And behind a computer or a wall, they can't see them. They have a conversation with A, and they have a conversation with B. One's an actual person typing back, and the other is a robot typing back. And he has to ask clever questions or see if they're acting like a human being. And it's really difficult, but they have to decide, is it a person or is it a robot? Really simple. So in the movie, he goes to do this. But there's a catch. He shows up. He's supposed to give the Turing test, but he actually doesn't talk to a human and a machine. He only talks to the machine. And then, even worse, he doesn't talk behind a a door where he can't see that it's an actual robot. He talks to the robot face-to-face. So look at this image of Ava, if you haven't seen the movie before. She's clearly a robot. She's been given human form, like the body, and her face has like what looks like human skin. But the rest of her is clearly a robot. Look at all the lights and the, and, the, and the machinery inside of her. So, you know, we're watching the film, and the, and the character is like, wait, what is the point of this? This isn't the Turing test. I see it's a robot. What's the deal? And so we find in the movie that the creator is so convinced that his AI is so good that it doesn't matter that he can see her. She's still going to trick you, he's convinced. And so the movie goes on. And just like he thinks, it starts happening. The main character starts getting sucked in. And then we do as the audience. We start believing in Ava. Then we get compassionate for her and start feeling bad for her. And because of all this, our emotions get manipulated by her. And she was designed as a machine to trick her, test her, to let her go free from her enclosed room. And that's exactly what she does at the end of the movie. She walks out free. A computer manipulates a human being, even just right in front of his face, and he fails. 
So for a moment, I want us to think about the things that we look to or hope in or trust in that will give us abundant or better life. What is it for you? Maybe it's material things and money. Then I'll have an abundant life. It'll be better. Or relationships or like having children, marriage, sex, pleasure, physical pleasures, a big house or fancy car or prestige, success, maybe promotions at work, then I'll have abundant life. Maybe acceptance into the best program or a good grade on your LSAT, MCAT, GRE, you know, whatever. Some of us, we're thinking, we're convinced that life will be abundant if we have approval from people. Maybe physical good looks, popularity, fame. What is it for you? You're convinced that your life would be so much better once you get Fill in the blank. What's a good thing that God can bless you with, but it starts transforming from a blessing and it turns into my everything. My life would be full if. See, the crazy, things about, the crazy thing about these things is they're programmed to trick you, just like Ava. And they're not a hidden secret. It's not like, a, a, like behind a closed door. It's a robot right in the open. You can see the machinery and the lights blinking right in front of your eyes. And here's what I mean about this. If your idol is money, and if I were to tell you, hey, you know money won't buy your happiness? Nobody here would disagree with me. You wouldn't be like, oh, actually. No, you'd be like, yeah, it's true. Or if I were to say, hey, if it's popularity for you, and I say, you know that if your popularity won't make you happy, right? Nobody would push back. All of us would be like, yeah, that's true. We would say yes because we've seen it over and over and over again. We've seen the richest people in the world be the poorest people in the world. And we've constantly seen the most popular people in the world be the most lonely people in the world. There's no argument. It's factual. It's not my opinion. We all agree. But even though that's true, and you agree with me, we still work too many hours, don't we? We still spend less time on things that will make us truly happy and more time on things that are promising us disappointment. Up front, no hidden secrets. Work, 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 work to make money, 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 money. And we're like, yup, 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 yup. But I know it's not going to make me happy, though. Something wide out in the open is just as good at manipulating our hearts. It doesn't have to trick us. There's no secret. We still say money won't buy us happiness, but we still pursue careers that are more about salary than they are about joy and passion, right? Most of us in this room did not choose our career because we know it'll make us happiest, but usually it's because it'll make us most secure. This is no Turing test, but it still works. And at the end of the day, any of us are susceptible to letting the robot walk out free. See, it's this experience we go through spiritually in the battle of what is going to fulfill me. What is going to give me true, abundant life? And when these idols like kind of rear their heads in life, we, it's like, I know I'm looking at Ava and she's a robot, but I kind of want to listen to you. I kind of want to let you free. And this is how powerful they can be. They seize us time for time. We still look to them for the source of abundant life, and we still cave in, even though we know they're not going to provide it. And this is why this I am statement breathes life into every follower of Jesus Christ. This is why we need 
just like the sheep, to know the voice of only that singular shepherd and from behind him follow. This is why we need to listen to his voice to teach us, disciple us, captivate us, as we sang, satisfy us. We need to hear from Jesus speaking these saving and satisfying words to our soul. And I want you to hear this as I read the passage again. Don't hear it from me. If you believe, you know, this is read in your Bible and you believe that's significant and what that means, hear this from your shepherd, the door of the sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is our source of abundant life, friends. So have you wandered, maybe like a sheep that doesn't, as if you're a sheep that doesn't have protection? What's an area of your faith that you've just kind of loosened up a bit or, or a part of your heart that you've given over to something that isn't the door of the sheep? Maybe something material or your boss's opinion of you or your parents' desire for you to make the most money because then and only then will you be happy in life. Where have you, your, your, where has your mind and your soul wandered to something that promises you disappointment? And you need to hear his voice lead you back into safety, into the pen, to live under his care, his protection, and to live abundant life that really is joyful. Let's turn back. Let's turn back to Christ. Let's let go of whatever we're, that our hearts kind of latch onto that is just, it's a robot. It's, a, it's, it's lying to you. Let's not be tricked by things that guarantee disappointment. Let's look to what is in the only thing in life that is guaranteed and promised the good word of Christ, the door of the sheep. I want to close with a quick story. Um, in October, uh, there was a hiker, this is a true story, who got lost in Colorado, and he was hiking Colorado's highest mountain peak, so it's dangerous. Um, and the hiker set out apparently at 9 a.m. by his, um, the people who were staying in the same area as him and was reported missing by that evening. So, as usual, a search and rescue team was sent out, and the team was looking for the person starting from around 11 p.m. all through the night until 9.30 a.m. the next morning. And the reason why they stopped at 9.30 a.m. this morning is actually good news. Uh, the person showed up. It wasn't because they found and just said that they were lost or dead. The person showed up at 9.30 the next morning, and the search was called off, and hooray, they showed up at the campsite. And so when investigating, the, the search and rescue team was like, you know, they had to find out what happened, what are the details, and they're asking questions. And there were weird details that came out in their investigation. Firstly, turns out the hiker had their cell phone on them. And it turns out, at certain times, cell phone service was available, even though he was up in the woods. So the officials had been calling and been like, hey, we were calling you. Why didn't you pick up your phone? And you know what the answer was? because he didn't recognize the phone number. Oh my God, just text me next time if you want to save me. If older people ever had a reason to hate millennials and Gen Z, it is this. He didn't pick up the phone because he didn't recognize the phone number. 
And so the story caught my eye because it's simultaneously hilarious and infuriating. I want to laugh and cry. I want to, like, you know, like, die and, like, you know, cackle. It's a caricature of our culture today. What on earth was this person thinking? You didn't pick up the phone. You didn't call. Why would you wander in the darkness of the highest peak in Colorado for 24 hours, put your life at risk, not call out for help, just wander around in danger for no reason? But what if I told you that even though this person seems ridiculous, that we live out this, a version of this all the time? What if we have a working cell phone, working line connection to safety, wellness, wholeness, protection, and it's right there in front of us, and we can live a healthy and good and safe life, but we forego it regularly? We actually leave the phone in our pocket. We're just like, oh, you know, I'll figure it out. And we just kind of stumble over rocks and you know, like run from coyotes and bears and stuff all the time. Let's not be those people, Cornerstone. Let's not be the sheep that have access to a pen that is meant for your greatest good. And the best thing about our faith is that your greatest good is not just God's forced version of that for you. It's your greatest happiness, your greatest delight, your greatest pleasure, So I want to encourage us today, not tomorrow, not later when you reflect on it, not maybe like Wednesday if you get around to thinking about it again, but right now, let's give our hearts to Jesus, the door of the sheep. Let's live in the abundant life that only he can give and that only he can promise and that only he can see through on that promise. Let's let go of whatever it is that your heart is getting manipulated by that's going to disappoint you. And let's live in the abundant life that's only given by the door of the sheep. Let's pray together and go to him. Lord Jesus, we trust you with everything. And you're the only one that is trustworthy. You're the only one that's worthy of our trust. You know, by definition, that word. And we are so glad for that. We are so grateful that we have a God who is perfectly trustworthy and when we follow you when we hear your voice leading us from in front into the safety and wholeness and abundance of the life that you want to give us that it is for our greatest satisfaction and delight remind us today Lord Jesus the door of the sheep that these other things that they can stumble us and they can trick us here and there and many times in this lifetime But remind us, we can always be awakened by your good word. And we pray that we would hear your voice alone. All other voices, just like the sheep in this passage, would flee. We would flee from those voices. When approval from people, when physical good looks, from marriage or money or promotions, when all those voices speak to us, we pray we would run because that is not the voice of our good shepherd. And we pray that we would seek only you, knowing that that is where we can have true and abundant living. So protect us, we pray. Guide us, we pray. Lead us into your pasture, we pray. And delight us over joy our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name.
Amen.